Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Hundreds of pro-choice demonstrators marched to Alabama's state capitol on Sunday to protest the governor signing the nation's strictest abortion law. In a series of tweets, President Trump did not state whether he was for or against the Alabama law, but said he holds the same anti-abortion position as President Ronald Reagan. Joining me is Harold Krent, dean of the Chicago Kent College of Law and author of the book Presidential Powers. Harold, these abortion laws range from Alabama's near total ban to Georgia's heartbeat law to Utah's ban on abortions after pregnancies reach 18 weeks. Will those distinctions make a difference when these laws are challenged in federal court? The distinctions might. The Supreme Court has articulated an undue burden test to determine whether these various legislative restrictions so disadvantage a woman's right to choose that it violates the due process clause of the Constitution. So depending upon articulation of the undue burden, some of these rules or restrictions may be considered constitutional, such as informed consent or waiting periods, and others will likely be deemed unconstitutional unless Roe versus Wade is overturned. Anti-abortion activists have said openly that these laws are designed to force the Supreme Court to reconsider Roe v. Wade. Today, the court deferred action on two less sweeping abortion disputes from Indiana. How long can the court avoid the issue? The Supreme Court's path has been somewhat curious because it seems that a majority of the court is in no rush to begin to consider whether and how much to chip away at the Roe versus Wade precedent. On the other hand, maybe in a conference in the coming weeks, the court may decide to take the case, which would only be heard next year anyway. So how quickly the court will act in terms of taking up these cases is unclear, but it will be pressured because once a Georgia law goes into effect or an Alabama or Missouri law goes into effect, there will be challenges immediately to stop the law because they seem so blatantly out of sync with Roe versus Wade. Last week, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, in a dissent in a case where the court overturned a 40-year-old precedent, hinted about abortion rights and the possibility that there could be another overturning. Is he is he hinting at what's been happening in those conferences where the court's been rejecting these abortion cases that have come before it? Well, the abortion cases that have come before it would not set up a clear case or challenge to Roe versus Wade. It really has to do with a creation of an undue burden. But I will say that his dissent was quite striking, as you pointed out, because that particular case on state sovereignty was not a great context for where one would think that stare decisis would hold or the rule of precedent would hold. And so people do think that because it seems so out of place that he was just making an appeal to the public to pressure perhaps Chief Justice Roberts that go slow and keep Roe versus Wade as vital as possible. Because one of those Indiana cases has been held over for 14 conferences. So why are they deferring it instead of just either acting on it or turning it down? 
Sometimes there's horse trading that the justices will say, I'll vote for yours if you vote for mine in terms of setting the agenda for the next year. And that may be going on. I really don't know. It could be that they're undecided and they just wanted to punt the toughest decisions until the end of the term. It's obviously speculation and what goes on at those conferences are kept close to the vest. So we can only speculate, but certainly very few cases are punted from one to two to 14 conferences in a row. So President Trump appears to be walking some kind of fine political line. He says he is anti-abortion except in cases of rape, incest, or the mother's health. How would that position placate women's rights activists? Would it placate women's rights activists? Well, what's interesting is it, it probably would not placate most women's rights, and obviously most women are now voting Democratic, but it would lead to striking down both the Alabama and the Missouri law, because both in Alabama and Missouri, the legislatures have not allowed for an exception for incest or for rape. And of course, the president has echoed President Reagan in suggesting that those two exceptions, along with health of the mother, are the three critical exceptions in order to make a law constitutional. But Alabama and Missouri went even further. And it seems that some other Republicans have been saying that those laws went further than necessary. Should Republicans be worried that the laws that take it that far might ignite more action? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the great question of politics, is if the Republicans are too successful, are they going to bring this question back to the forefront and there'll be a backlash at the polls coming up in the next 18 months? I can't judge that, but certainly if I were a strategist, that's something that I would want to to focus on, because I think that the specter of not being allowed to have an abortion in the case of rape and incest is so far against the mainstream of American thought that it may politically activate the left in a way that would redound to the detriment of the Republicans. Harold, you see one state after another pass these very strict abortion laws. Is this some kind of coordinated campaign? Because anti-abortion activists have been after this since Roe v. Wade was passed, basically. Yeah, I don't think it's coordinated the sense of one master plan, but I do think that there is a great encouragement of seizing the day, vote your conscience, and vote your politics, and try to take a stab at creating an anti-abortion law irrespective of Roe versus Wade. And legislatures, I believe, are entitled to interpret the Constitution on their own, but whether they're doing so because of conscience or because of politics is the question, and as you pointed out, the politics may backfire. Do blue states or liberal states have to get busy passing their own laws, or is that not necessary? Well, Roe versus Wade is the law of the land, so blue states don't have to. Some have tried to chip away. I and mean, one of the things that's interesting about the Virginia trial today is that Virginia is now more comfortably a blue state, and yet it has relatively restrictive anti-abortion laws. And so I think that in those kinds of states, you should see, and I'm surprised you haven't seen more of, efforts to try to roll back those regulations. All right. Thank you so much, Harold. That's Harold Krent. He is dean of the Chicago-Kent College of Law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.